on today's episode of the podcast, I talk about the contrast and the balance between life and death and birth and grief and saying goodbye while you are about to say hello and the many challenging dynamics that unfold all around us all the time. I also talk about how parenting can be a really beautiful opportunity to heal old childhood wounds and it's one of those vulnerable episodes straight from the heart. Do scents evoke memories and transport you back to being on the beach during your favorite vacation? I know they do for me. Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil smells like summer or the beach in Aruba, bottled with all natural uplifting notes of mango, mandarin, grapefruit, lime, and cypress. But it's not just about the elevated scent. This body oil is clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and deeply moisturize, leaving skin silky and soft. It delivers that coveted post-vacation glow, like you just returned from a tropical getaway. And right now, you can get 10% off your first order with our code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. I love Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I use it every single day and I have for so many years. It makes me feel silky smooth and just glowing. This body oil is rich but never greasy and clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. It visibly firms your skin, leaving you more sculpted and toned. No wonder I feel so great after using it. But it gets even better. With Osea, you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Osea's products are clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. They are a women-founded company that has been making seaweed-infused skincare for over 28 years. So bring on summer. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skin and body care at Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. It's time for a brand new episode of From the Heart with Rachel Brayton. I am looking out my bedroom window right now where there are birds nesting in the apple tree right outside my... Literally, it's, it's like we have a big apple tree connected, almost connected to our house a little bit invasive actually I worry if it's too close <laughs> and it kind of leans over this little balcony that we have outside of our bedroom and uh, there are birds nesting in this apple tree right at eye level so I can actually see them flying in and out and they're bringing little twigs and branches and things and kind of nesting you know preparing to to lay eggs and have babies and every single day when I wake up in the morning, I take a moment just to, <laughs> to look at them because it's such a, such a beautiful little process. And it reminds me, of course, so much of my own nesting that I'm doing right now. I really, I really feel a kinship <laughs> with these birds. There are uh, a couple of different birds, actually, and I don't know if it's normal for different kinds of species to nest in the same tree. Is that normal? Uh, but at the very, very top, there are two magpies, you know, the black and white bird. In Sweden, they get kind of a bad rap. I don't know why. 
we have this, I think, I really think it's an urban, it's like a myth that they steal, <laughs> that they like shiny things to put in their nest and that they, that they steal things, which I, I've Googled it and I don't think it's actually true. But there's two of them nesting and I really feel this, this, this kinship with them. I don't know, is it both mommy and daddy and they're kind of building the nest together or like, how does it, I don't know. <laughs> but every day I have this moment of feeling very connected with them. Of course, I'm nesting here in our house in a slightly different way, but it's all the same, right? I'm 32 weeks pregnant right now. Feel Feels like 42, but it's 32. Getting closer and closer to the very end of pregnancy. And I have definitely spent the past couple of weeks in that proverbial... <laughs> like gathering of twigs and <laughs> branches and making a comfy, beautiful, warm spot for our little one. Although I feel like there's so much I haven't done and so much that's yet to, I don't know, so much that's yet to to get finished in a way. I feel really prepared and really unprepared at the same time. And this past week, it's just been finally, finally, we are out of winter time. And I say that I have to almost like knock on wood. <laughs> it's me knocking on the little wooden table next to me. Because yeah, it's April in Sweden. And I guess we could just like have a snowstorm at any moment. <laughs> it's kind of what April is like here. But it really felt like the longest, longest, longest winter and I've asked other Swedish people, I mean, this is, I've only been in Sweden for a year, so I'm like, I, I can't, like, is this normal? And everyone says, no, it was particularly long this season, just because we had so much snow that came in the past few weeks. And it felt like winter ended, ended really early, like it, yeah, already like end of January, suddenly, like we didn't have any snow and it was like, oh, is this it? And then everything came back with a vengeance, you know, end of March. So it just felt like a very long winter. And this past week is the first week of real spring weather. We've had sunshine every single day. We're outside every single day. You can tell by the people you meet, everyone has just opened up. Like everyone has a more relaxed look on their face. Dennis says it's such a weird and interesting phenomenon to like be in to be in a city on a day when the sun suddenly comes out because he says Swedish people are so sun deprived for so long like the the winter is not only just very cold but it's really 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 dark for so long and then he says all of a sudden the sun comes out and it's like a zombie apocalypse movie or something where every single human being in the city at the same time everyone just like stops what they're doing, turns around and like tilts their head up to the sun and just stands there. <laughs> and he does this thing where he like shows me what it looks like when a Swedish person like turns to the sun, you know, like a sunflower, like just turns to the sun and just pauses in the middle of whatever. And it's so true. Like it really is true. And I find myself this week, I'm just, I'm just sitting on the stoop of the house, just like, face turned to the sun going, oh my God, <laughs> it really is, it really is a part of our vitality and our life force. It's like a 
of course, a foundational essential. Like we can't live without the sun. And somehow we do for such long stretches of time and it like we forget how important it is and how we feel. And no one can talk about anything else. As soon as the sun comes out, everyone is talking about the weather and spring is here and sun. And, you know, it's literally all, all you hear all day. But it's been a, a nice change, yeah, to actually get to be outside. It also means I've been doing a lot of planting this week and we're just kind of nesting outside as well, like getting the farm in order and things like that. Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where Ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. And I'm sharing all of this just to kind of highlight a little bit just how this week has been also very beautiful also been incredibly painful. Dennis's little sister passed away uh, two days ago and I I really feel like I have cried all the tears, which I know I haven't. We have had uh, yeah. See, I don't even really have the words for it yet. It's been a very yeah, very painful and very beautiful week at the same time. I don't know how those two things can merge together so well, but they, they do. And I'm not feeling, sometimes I've, I've had that experience when someone passes away where I feel really guilty. I feel really, you know, almost like all joy should be banned from the world. You know, it's like a time to mourn and it's dark and it's heavy. And and this week it's been that. It's been dark and heavy and really, really hard, but it's also been light. Like there's been so much light, literally. I mean, the sun has been shining every day after months and months and months of no sun. And when I think of Dennis's little sister, I mean her name her name was, it's a really weird word is, 
that's the first, I think that's the first time I've had to use the word was instead of is talking about her. <sighs> yeah, her name was Liefe, which in Dutch means sweet, <laughs> literally means sweet or sweetheart. In Swedish, you can translate it almost to elskling, which is like a term of endearment. It's like the, it's such a beautiful name. And uh, she embodied that so entirely, you know, so completely. And uh, she just, she was just light, you know. Like even her, even her physical appearance, like she had little bit of reddish hair and like lots of freckles. She was super tall, always smiling, like always, always, always smiling. So beautiful. I mean, even her physical appearance was like embodied a light, you know. So for me, it, it also makes sense that in her final days and as she's passed that all of a sudden there's a lot of light everywhere, you know, and because we, yeah, we knew it was coming. And it's been a long time since someone I loved passed away, and I knew it's a different experience. I, I've had, I've, I've, I've grieved a lot of really important people in my life who who passed away very suddenly and out of the blue, and the the shock of that. And I haven't really grieved someone knowing that that grief is coming since my grandmother died, or my two grandmothers died, actually. And it's a very different thing. I mean, this, this, this experience is extremely unique in that she was 21 years old in so many ways, like she was still a, a baby, like she's still a child. Um, you know, 21, it's like just on the verge there of kind of a grown up, but kind of, kind of not, I don't know. And it, 21 is so young. It's so young. It's so, it's so wrong when a grandparent passes away, you know, regardless of how horrible and hard and painful that is, it, there's a comfort in that it's the natural order of things, right? We grow old, and at the end of our lives, we pass away. And we live our whole entire lives knowing kind of the, the order of how we're going to say goodbye, most likely, right? Or hopefully the order we're going to say goodbye to the people we love, and it doesn't start with little sister. No. You know, that's the... That's the, the end of the list, right? And, uh, yeah. So somehow for Dennis's family now, this is happening all in the wrong order. Like, that's what it feels like. Um, it's like it's happening in reverse somehow. And I don't know, Dennis's grandparents on that side, um, like 
Dennis's grandma. Like everyone's still, they're still alive. They're still there. Great uncles. And um, there hasn't been any death in that side of the family yet. Um, this is really is the first, the first big one. And I just, I can't get over that feeling that it's just, that's all wrong. And it's also really hard to say because what is, is, right? And the great, you know, spiritual practices and truths and journeys is what is, is. And we have to somehow wrap our heads and hearts around that and accept that and process that and can resist all we want, but it is what is. But I just, I just, yeah. When my my best friend passed away, she was 24, I was 25. And somehow, when I look back, so much time has passed since then. Next year, it's going to be the 10-year anniversary of her, of her passing, which seems impossible. I mean, it seems like a joke, <laughs> like 10 years have passed. Like it feels like it, ju- it just happened. You know, it does not feel like 10, almost 10 years have passed. And, uh, and, and it, and it's an entirely different experience. Every death, every grief is of course entirely different. And in a way, you know, this is Dennis's little sister. She's not my little sister. She's not, but, <laughs> I feel a little more removed and also not. I don't know how to explain it. I, I I have this feeling like I don't want to take up too much space in the in the grief. I'm really, really focused on how is Dennis doing and how is his parent like how is her how are her parents doing and how is his dad and and his little brother and you know, so it's it's a different it's a different kind of grieving process for me. I'm also for the first time in my life, I'm I have a daughter who's grieving, who's six years old, who's trying to make sense of like where her auntie went. And even though we've you know, we were prepared, like we knew her she got her cancer diagnosis almost exactly one year ago. So it's been something that we've been wrapping our heads around for the past year. But it wasn't until it wasn't until a month or so ago that it became very, very real that it's actually happening and then that we started having that conversation with Leia move from, oh, she's very ill. Like what does it mean to be sick? What does it mean to have cancer? What is cancer? She had to have her leg amputated, which of course for for Leia was a huge thing. Oh, she had, I don't think she had more questions. She's never had more questions about something ever than, than that. You know, how does that work? And does it hurt? And why does that have to happen? And did it help? And it was, a yeah, we've just kind of been walking her through this, talking her through this process. But then to transition from, okay, she's very ill and here is the treatments she's undergoing. And then Somehow when she sees her, you know, she's still vibrant and there and maybe a little more tired or 
in a wheelchair, you know, there's things that have shifted, but she's still herself, you know, it's still her auntie, it's still her, her person. And then all of a sudden to shift that conversation to, well, she's, she's going to die. And Dennis told me yesterday, he said, I really feel like, like Laika died, Laika is our dog who passed away, what, two months ago? Maybe less. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I can't, I, my pregnancy brain can't recall the date right now. <laughs> um, but I think two months ago, and then I said yesterday, he said, it really hit me today, it really occurred to me today that I think, I think Laika died like at the exact moment she did and in the way she did so that Leia could be prepared for this. And that somehow, oh, it just, it moves me so much to, to say that because I, it really feels that way. It almost feels like a, like a sacrifice from her end because that was a death and it's a grief and it's hard and it's just like a tiny little fraction of what is happening now and in a way we got to walk Leia through the same through the same kind of process like okay she wasn't sick but she was in a lot of pain and why and how did that happen and what does it mean to be at this stage in your life and knowing then eventually, okay, she's going to die and how is that going to happen and preparing for that and being in ritual with that and being present with her as she took her last breath and then sitting with her body there for, for a while and all of this, you know, and it's not comparable, but it, in a way it's, it's, it's death, right? It's like a practice run for her. So now in a lot of the questions that she has, she's never been to a funeral before. She's never been around people grieving. And I'm really nervous about that. I'm really nervous about that. I have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of personal just childhood trauma, feeling a lot of fear and a lot of unsafety around, around, around death. Just because for me, when I was little, I there was a lot of death and there was a lot of, there was no steadiness. You know, there was no anchor for me when I was Leia's age, going, when my family was going through grief. It was scary. It was really, really, really scary. Um, and she's not going to have that experience. It's not going to be, I mean, some things might be scary, yes, but I'm here. You know, I got her. I'm super grounded. I'm keeping her safe. I'm there every step of the way. She's never going to have a moment alone, you know, where she feels not seen or, or not supported. Like it's a very different thing, but I'm very nervous about it because for me as a child, having to go to funerals and, and be in the presence of people grieving intensely was, didn't feel like a safe place to be. And even if this week, so the funeral is this weekend, we're going, if you're listening to this on a Friday, we're on a plane probably. And um, 
there's no telling what this weekend is going to be other than it's going to be really, really, really hard. And I am certain there's also going to be light. Like I know that just from being present in her, in her final, in her final weeks and, and, and moments there, by getting all of that time we got to spend with her in Holland and how, even though knowing this is coming, how much, how many moments of laughter there was and how much play and how much light and how much joy, like it was still in all the heavy and all the hard, there was still space for that. And I know that will still be the case, but it's a different reality now. It's a different place to be, to process the fact that she's actually, actually gone. And of course it's going it's, it's indescribable and horrible and dark and heavy and unfair and yeah. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So a big part of me is... It's like I'm, I'm, I'm grieving in my own quiet moments and just 100% focused on being the most steady, grounded parent I can be for, for Leia so that this, pro, this process doesn't become traumatic for her. And at the same time, I wish I could, I wish I could wish this all away. Like I wish that this wasn't happening. I wish that this hadn't happened. I feel a lot of just so much grief in my whole, I feel it in my whole body for what the whole family is going through and this this loss is just so big it's so unfair nothing will ever be the same you know it's a nothing will ever be the same without her it's just not possible and then it says family you know they're so so tight-knit like that little unit it's like the closest tightest unit you've ever seen <laughs> And now a person is missing, you know, like that, no. And there's a big part of me that is just resisting it. You know, I don't want the family to go through this. I don't want Leia to go through this. I don't want Dennis to go through this. And there's nothing I can do, right? That's kind of like the the helplessness of being the, yeah, of being on the side of this. It's, there's nothing really, right? I was talking to one of my best friends just about, about everything that's, everything that's really happened this year. I mean, it's only, it's only April and I feel like there has been so much 
so much birth and death and new life and grief, and it's all so very connected. I, I don't know. My best friend, maybe you listened to the episode we recorded last week. It was Olivia was here on the show with me sharing her her birth story, her little one that I got to be present for, and that happened just two days before Laika passed away. And then this this journey with Dennis's little sister and spending time in Holland with the family and me feeling so, so pregnant. I'm kind of preparing for this new life and this birth at the same time as we're saying goodbye to her. And it's just, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot in, in just a few months. And the contrasts are, are just massive. And at the same time, you know, I, I, I really feel like we are walking this path now of, 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 of normalizing these things in life somehow. And I'm doing that for Leia in that way that, you know, we're, we're talking about birth so much. But this pregnancy, of course, is the center of our lives. I mean, her getting a baby brother, it's, it's constantly and all the time. And we're watching videos of, of beautiful home births and talking about all the, the details of what is it going to be during labor and how is it going to be the first, <laughs> the first moments with a newborn and what, are, what is our lives going to be now? We're going to go from three to four in our little, our little unit here. There's just so much, so much that we're <laughs> preparing for right, around this new life and this birth. And then at the very same time, literally at the very same time, parallel to this, we have been preparing for death and talking about death and talking about the end of life and what happens when someone dies. And this week that it really hit me, it hit me like a brick in the head of how the same... <laughs> the same way that I'm talking her through, like, okay, well, when labor begins, right? When, when it starts to happen, what is that going to, you know, what could that potentially be like? And, and really I want her to be prepared and not scared. And, you know, is it going to hurt and how much is it going to hurt? And how, how might, how might that day be? You know, maybe mommy wants lots of privacy and space. Maybe I want her there to hold my hand the whole time and she can choose and float in and out. And what would she like to do? And what would, you know, we're talking about all, just all the options of what that day might be. And then yesterday, all of a sudden we're talking, I'm talking her through all the possibilities of what Leafa's funeral might be. Or it's less of a funeral and more of a service. Yeah, like a ceremony. And in Holland, it's very common, at least I think it's common, yeah, um, to have an open casket. And what does that mean, you know? And preparing Leia for that, it's very, very, in Sweden, it's almost unheard of. It's just not, it's just a different culture. In Aruba, also an open casket for a service or a funeral is, is common. And I had never really 
before I lived in Aruba, I had never seen an embalmed body. You know, I I'd kind of, as I've said goodbye to people who have passed, we have that like a really short window, actually. It's, it's Sweden, I don't know, the way we do things when someone passes away, it's a little bit, it's a little distant, actually. <sighs> I think Swedish people, I mean, who in general likes to talk about death, but because we don't have a lot of strong religious practices here overall, I mean, Sweden is a one of the most non-religious countries in the whole world, so we don't have that. We don't have that many big rituals of what happens immediately when someone dies. So yes, it's I've been to visit at the hospital or say goodbye at the end and been in the presence of someone who has passed, but then it's always very, very brief and it's at the hospital, right? It's like at the end of that moment. But these practices, like so many cultures and especially Catholic cultures and different forms of religion where you actually visit the person who passed and you sit with the body. We don't have that in Sweden. It's just, yeah. Uh, usually it takes a long time to wait. You have to wait for a funeral. Usually it's, it's several weeks after the person has passed. And, and you don't really think that much of what happens with the remains in that time. Right? It's, there's not a lot of ritual around the remains and then you choose, is it cremation? Is it a burial? What is it? But in that time in between, it's just, it's kind of like an empty space. Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of anchoring. There's not a lot of being held there. And then normally, whenever the time is, when, you know, when it's, <laughs> I don't know why it takes so long, or if it's just custom, or if it's just you wait for a slot or for a time. I actually, I don't know why we wait so long. And then there's normally a funeral and it's, even though people are very non-religious, it's normally always in a church, which to me always felt strange. Like the only time I ever set foot in a church in Sweden in my whole life is for a wedding or a funeral, nothing else. Like we don't have that. We don't go to Sunday service. We don't, I mean, it's some people I'm sure do, but it's like, I don't know a single person who has uh, I really don't. If I if I look at my whole community here in Sweden, do I know a single person that like goes to church? No, I don't. Even on like on All Hallows Eve, like around around Halloween times, my grandma and a few people from my family will always go and light candles for people who have passed and for our ancestors. And that is so beautiful, really, really is. And somehow that's that's kind of the extent of it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. So for, for us or for me, this thing I had to learn about living in Central America and living in, in the Caribbean where, well, first of all, there is, there is ritual that happens immediately when someone passes away. And to visit and sit with the remains and be with the body, like that's totally normal. And I thought that was so scary. I thought that was so, oof. first time seeing an embalmed body. I was really terrified. I don't know. It didn't feel to me like, a, because I, it wasn't normalized for me. I never had that experience. And now talking to Leah about that, 
And the only point of reference that I had, I said, you know, really, that I could say, and it made so much sense to her. So I'm really grateful we got to have that hard moment. But it was, remember when, remember when Laika died? And then we, we, we sat with her body for a long time. It wasn't a long time. I mean, it was 30, 40 minutes, I think, before the vet took her away. And she was like, yes. And I said, remember you were petting her and you were kissing her and you gave her bear, her, her, her teddy bear that she brings everywhere. And she put um, tulip petals on her. I mean, we, ha- we did have a moment there after she had passed just to sit with her, with her body. And she, of course, remembers that. And she, of course, and I said, so this is going to be a little bit similar, a little bit. And I don't know exactly what it's going to feel like. And I don't know exactly, you know, what it's going to look like. But if at any moment you don't want to be there, I mean, we don't have to be there. And it's the same thing, you know, if you want to sit with her and give her a kiss or hug her or just be there, just like you were with Laika, you can totally do that. And if you don't want to, and you don't want to be close, that you can also do that. I'm just giving her options so that she knows that she gets to choose. And if at any moment she wants to be closer, we can be closer. If at any moment she wants to be further away, we'll be further away. And if at any moment something feels scary or dark or too much, we go outside, you know. And in a way, I think talking her through and of course, of course, I'm also leaving the big possibility for joy that we might sing, you know, we're going to cry and there also might be moments to laugh and it might be really hard and it might be really beautiful. And like, no matter what happens, because I don't know what this day is going to be, mama's there with you, you know, and I think that's really the most important thing I can share is that we don't know exactly what it's going to be, but no matter what, I'm there, you're not alone. And I think talking her through this and helping her prepare for this really hard last goodbye and asking her what she wants to, what she wants. And she already has her own big ideas. She immediately said, oh, I'm going to make her paper flowers. I learned how to make paper flowers in school. And she showed me the process of, yeah, I really, I, or she talked me through the process of how to do that. Because if I, if I give her paper flowers, then they will never wilt and she will, and she will have them forever. And I said, what a beautiful idea. And then I want to make a drawing and I want to make a drawing of her and me together. So when she gets to the other side, she will always remember me. And she just, she has all these big visions and ideas in her own mind of what this is and letting her talk about them and affirming them and validating them and letting her choose I think is just so so important and as I do that there's something in me that also settles a little bit you know when I was Leah's age my my mom's fiance passed away really traumatically out of the blue in a plane crash I was five so I was one year younger than Leah And his funeral is one of those big childhood traumas that sit really, really, really deep. And it wasn't, you know, the ritual of the funeral in itself, but just the 
the complete feeling of unsafety that was in that in that church. My mom losing it, you know, there was screaming and wailing and just the worst, most unsteady, traumatic, yeah, goodbye, you can never imagine. And I remember at one point, and I'm so grateful for this, at one point it got so bad that my grandma, um, so my brother was three, I was five, she like picked my brother up and she took me by the hand and she ran. And we ran outside and trying to cover our ears because it was so so bad. And I remember being outside of that church. I have this memory of my brother in like a, it's like a, like a button down something. I don't know if he had like a little suit on or yeah, just like a, I remember like a button down, like white shirt with something. And, and he found a big stick and he was like poking at the rocks outside the entrance of the church with a stick and my grandmother crying but we were outside and reliving that or even thinking about that. And even my mom the other day, she, she called yeah, to ask how we're doing and how is Dennis and how, how are we moving through this week? And, and then uh, she said, do you remember when Stefan died? You were almost like asked, hey, do you remember that? I say, yeah, <laughs> I remember that. She doesn't really remember that, right? She wasn't there. I think right after that, she had to be institutionalized for a while or like taken care of for a while because she wasn't okay, right? And I said, it's one of my biggest, most traumatic memories that I have. Like there's a lot of trauma around that time and that death and that shock. and But that funeral is a big one. And it's also like... <laughs> A little strange to talk to her about that because we never normally talk about these things. And then she just said, she's like, yeah, but like Leia's got you. And that's the big difference from when I was her age going through that grief is I didn't have my mom. My mom was there physically, yes, but she was emotionally, mentally not there and not okay. And that feeling for a child is, I don't think there's anything scarier, right? It's There's an abandonment. There's a, yeah, a complete frozen fear. And this is very different, right? Like Leia has me, she has Dennis, even in Dennis's hardest moments, like she has two steady parents and steady grandparents, you know, and and somehow... This is all of our path. Like it, that's it's so bizarre that we have to live this life and somehow wrap our heads around this. But we will all encounter a death that is so painful that we don't know how to make it through at some point in our lives. Like it's something we know for certain is that people will die, and hopefully, it doesn't happen in a way that feels like a shock and it doesn't happen in a way that's too much too soon too fast and we feel out of control and you know hopefully we get to face these hardest moments in life in a way that feels somewhat grounded and that's this feeling I'm really 
I'm really grateful to have in my body now, it, like in this grief and in this sadness, I'm here. And I'm steady and my feet are on the ground and, and Leia's got me and she's got her dad and, and this is life, right? We can't wish it away. We can't take it away. We can't close our eyes and pretend it's not happening. You know, it's, there's also a, a closeness and an intimacy in being with the people we love as we mourn and as we grieve. And I know that in all of this, you know, there's also, there's like at the center of all of this, really at the core, at the heart of, of even the most painful moments, there's love. There's so much love, just an abundance of love. And as long as we keep our hearts really connected to that, I know we'll make it through to something that resembles the other side. Even though that idea too is like time heals all wounds and eventually you get you get through it. It's like there's no through it. There's no, it's not like we're walking through a tunnel and then all of a sudden you open a door and it's over and you're done grieving and now life's back to normal. Like it doesn't happen that way. And I can look at that thinking of my best friend who died. I mean, it's it's been nine years and there's no through it. I still get hit with those huge waves at times where I feel completely overwhelmed by that loss and where I miss her so much I can't breathe. And when everything feels just so, so heavy and so hard, but the thing that happens with time is that those waves of grief become more spacious. We get more time in between. We get more normalcy in between. And we learn how to ride those waves. And we know that at the end of one of those waves, like I'll be back here with my feet on the ground. And that's not what it feels like in the beginning. In the beginning, those waves are just pounding you over and over and over and you barely get a chance to come up for air and take half a breath and then another one comes and just holds you under the surface and there's a part of you that that really wonders like is this it forever like will I ever feel something that resembles okay ever again and we don't know and moving through those stages of grief, it's just, it's just the hardest, hardest, hardest thing. So it's not like time heals all wounds. No, but time gives us more space. And time helps us move through those waves with a little more ease and a little more grace each time. So... I know there's been a lot of, this podcast really has been, it's been a lot of life and death and birth and grief over the past, over the past weeks. And um, I just want to say thank you for listening to me as I share these stories and share these pieces of my heart. And if you're listening and you've sent even a thought or a little prayer or a little love our way these past few weeks especially dennis's way um just know it's so felt and so appreciated 
And if you are in that similar place of navigating grief and death somehow, or navigating birth and life, and then having that bring up these conversations about death or fear of death, I mean, we're all living this all the time. Just remember that feeling those feelings and talking about them is the most helpful thing. It really is that we don't sit in those waves or sit in that fear or sit in that dark place all alone, but that we open up and that we move through together. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of From the Heart with Rachel Brayton. This was a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio, and I'll see you next week.